the economy is is sort of in question from a consumer confidence perspective. Normally, unfortunately or not, like when the economy does worse, higher ed does better. Theory, we should be sitting here thinking, okay, well, enrollment's going to go up. I just don't know that's going to happen. And if I was a betting person, I don't think it is. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about. Wait! Okay, now, from the beginning. Hit it, boys. Welcome to Higher Ed Pulse, your Monday morning energizer covering insights and trends in higher ed marketing and enrollment. I'm Mallory Wilsey, bringing over 15 years of ed tech and marketing expertise to your earbuds. And I'm Seth O'Dell, joining the Pulse with my own adventures from leading marketing at top universities to founding Canahoma, one of the industry's fastest growing digital marketing agencies. Each week, we bring you the kind of insider insights you typically only find over cocktails with your pals at a conference. It's fast, it's fun, and it's designed for you, the busy higher ed professional. You're not just listening to another podcast. You're checking the pulse of higher education. Higher Ed Pulse is part of the Enrollify Network, a robust collection of podcasts designed to help higher ed professionals like you grow. Explore our other shows at enrollify.org. Enrollify is made possible by Element 451, the next generation AI student engagement platform, helping institutions create meaningful and personalized interactions with students. Learn more at element451.com. Can I just say what we're all thinking? That intro music, <laughs> it slaps. <laughs> like, I mean, I seriously it want it. Yeah, I want it for my next spin <laughs> class. Like, not going to lie. Like, our intro music is gold. It is. It is very good. And it's very different. And I am a big time fan. You know, I love it. I'm so glad we picked it. Other things you love. I hear you got a new dog recently, but like you were on a vacation and then you happened to get a dog and you like, can, can you explain yeah. this to me? How does yeah. that happen? So I have, I have, uh, I got a dog, Gigi. So if, if someone is able to watch in the video, there's a little, she's in the corner. She's the cutest little dog ever. She's a rescue from Mexico. Um, I went on a video production for one of our clients and I came back and we had a dog. Adopt, don't shop if you can. Uh, and uh, adopt older dogs if you can. It's always great to support great organizations trying to help good animals. The future Bob Barker, Seth O'Dell. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. That was a little bit right there, huh? All right. Well, we are not going to waste any time. Let's just get right into it. Seth, we were chatting yesterday about this new Dentsu report that came out. Let's talk talk yeah. to me about it. What's going on? Yeah. So um, if folks don't know, there's an organization called Dentsu, that, uh, D-E-N-T-S-U. Uh, they put out these consumer navigator reports. It's basically like kind of like uh, checks on where's the uh, consumer economy, like like how are things going uh, with consumer behavior purchasing. Uh, there's a new report. That I don't know if it's actually out yet or if it's out to be soon. It was shared with me kind of privately, but it was from a, a survey they just did two weeks ago. So it should be out soon. It's called the American Mindset Report. It was really concerning, candidly. It, it just highlighted kind of like how challenging the economy is right now. A few of the data points that came from the Dentsu Consumer Navigator American Mindset Report, you know, 69% of respondents feel the economy is uh, either not very good or terrible. Even fewer consumers think the economy will improve in six to 12 months. So since the last time they asked that question, it's getting worse. 68% uh, of respondents report experiencing an unexpected expense or decrease in household income. Basically, the net net is like many Americans are struggling to afford basic expenses and more consumers are cutting back and consumer confidence in the economy is declining. The, the challenge with that is um, 
that it's a little counter to what we're seeing in the market. Like the, the stock market is performing well right now. And so like the, the macro market from an economic perspective is doing okay. But it is it is clear that the majority of consumers are not feeling that benefit. And the majority of folks are like feeling a recession, whether we're you know technically in one or not. What I said shared with you in Slack and why I shared it this week is like, okay, this big concern about consu- the kind of the current economic forecast for consumers historically, higher education has been counter-cyclical, which means as the economy does worse, enrollment does better. Um, but the question I had this week is like, is that going to be the case this time around? You know, Historically, higher ed does better when the economy does worse because people go back to school. But I think there's stuff that's different this time around. At the same time that we're seeing an increase in this economic uncertainty, we're seeing a decrease in the confidence in the college degree. So a separate study came out about 65% of current college students say college isn't worth it. We're also seeing growth in non-degree alternatives, right? Micro-credentials in vocational work. You know, we didn't have the gig economy the last time we had a recession in 2008 and nine. And so I just think there's so much different. So where I was just left at was that, you know, the economy is, is sort of in question from a consumer confidence perspective. Normally, unfortunately or not, like when the economy does worse, higher ed does better. Theory, we should be sitting here thinking, okay, well, enrollment's going to go up. I just don't know that's going to happen. And if I was a betting person, I don't think it is. And it feels to me like this is a different time than it was maybe in the 2008 and nine financial crisis. And so that was where I was like, I don't know how to make heads or tails of it. But I, I'm just not so sure that we're going to see an increase of enrollment, you know, due to uh, economic uncertainty. You know, so what's really interesting is uh, the National Student Clearinghouse Research Center just released a report on January 24th. They actually have found that undergraduate enrollment is up. It grew 1.2% in fall 2023 compared to 2022. And this data is really good news actually for community colleges because among those gains, it was enrollment at community college institutions that increased the most at 2.6%. Private and public four-year institutions had increases of less than 0.6% in comparison. So so community colleges, right, actually do often see a more significant boost in enrollments compared to their four-year friends during recessions. So I don't know, Seth. I mean, I've got some data that's challenging your assumptions. You, you may be right in the sense that it could be, you know, that consumers are more cost conscious. So perhaps really the question is going to be on the private side, higher sticker price programs, are they going to really see a bump or not? And, you know, maybe the answer is no. And so maybe the answer is people will go back to school. The question is where? And maybe that's what might be different this time around. Those micro-credentials, though, that you brought up, I mean, that's yeah. interesting, too, because the certificate programs, uh, anybody who maybe is looking at the recession or this economic downturn and saying, hey, this could be an opportunity for me, I, it'll be interesting to see if those programs actually do increase or not. I would bet more on vocation than I would on micro-credential. We're seeing we are seeing more demand for micro-credential, but it is just impossible to market. It costs more to acquire most micro-credential students than they pay to you know, take their courses. And so it's the economic model doesn't make sense, even if the market sort of wants it. And so it just, I don't know, t- to me, the takeaways are it feels very different this time around. Um, and I'm just really curious what's going to happen. And, and the big for, thing for me is if you look at, if you follow the stock market, all it looks like the economy is doing well. And so then the question is, 
what is happening this time around where like the economy appears to be recovering, but consumer confidence is not? And mm -hmm. what does that mean? And maybe that's really where, where I'm just sort of like really interested in watching uh, and curious, you know, a year from now, uh, are we going to see growth? And to your point, which I think is really fair, we may see it, but we're not going to see it in all places. And so, you know, if anything, that would be good for community colleges. They had one of the hardest times uh, rebounding from COVID. And so we'd all be happy to see that sector do well. Um, but yeah, I'm, I don't know, I'm watching. This is one that's definitely been on my radar this week. Yeah. So our audience of listeners, uh, many of whom are marketers, it's like, what's the takeaway? Like, how can you, right? Like, so we're not 12 months from now looking back saying, oh crap, this, I should have done these things. Where should marketers be focusing right now? And, and my bet is there needs to be obviously a lot of empathy in the communications that folks are sending out. So any any tips on how to prepare your marketing communications in light of mm. this report? I'd say there's two things. You know, one, I will say that when in doubt, scholarship marketing always works. And so, you know, if you do have an opportunity in your institution that can increase scholarship and increase aid, that will increase uh, conversion. Hey, everyone. It's Mallory. I'm hosting the Engage Summit this summer in Raleigh, North Carolina. The theme of the conference is AI Got You. We're not just talking theories. This conference is your guide to understanding and applying AI at your institution. By the end, you won't just get AI. You'll be ready to lead your campus through an AI transformation. It's for everyone who wants to use AI to level up everything you're doing. Whether your focus is to recruit or retain, the Summit offers a platform to learn, network, and bring back actionable insights to enhance your student engagement strategies. I hope you'll join me and some of your favorite Enrollify creators in Raleigh on June 25th and 26th, like Jamie Hunt, Dustin Ramsdale, and Allison Tercio. Use the discount code Enrollify50, and you can register for just $99. So join us at the Engage Summit this June. Learn more and register at engage.element451.com. We can't wait to see you there. The second thing I would say is that don't position on price, position on value. And so I think in particular, if consumer confidence is down, people are questioning their investments. And that's not just money, it's also an investment of time. And so I do think like consumers are going to be looking at perceived value, which is uh, the equation of perceived value, as I was taught when I was at Southern New Hampshire, was perceived value is perceived cost minus perceived benefit. Meaning someone's looking at you and thinking like, how much is it going to cost? How long is it going to take? What's the probability that I'll finish? And what's the likely outcome? And that's the story to have. And I think too often people position narrowly on price. And if you are a low cost leader in the market, you may think that makes sense. Um, but I have marketed extremely affordable programs that were very hard to sit because the lower cost they are, the lower the consumers have confidence in the quality of the program. And so it circles back to that conversation of consumer confidence again. So I would focus on value where you can, increase scholarship when you can. Uh, and then I don't know, just hold on because I think it's going to get a little bit rocky. Buckle up. I exactly. can't not take this opportunity to plug the keynote speaker at the upcoming Engage Summit in Raleigh this summer. Melina Palmer just dropped a book this month called The Truth About Pricing. And I read it in, Ooh. you know, a, like an hour and a half flight last week. It's, it's a quick read, but it's fantastic. It absolutely connects to the conversation that we are having. And I'm not 
not going to spoil anything. If people want to go find her book, they should. I can't recommend it enough. And then you can come to the Engage Summit, meet her, get it signed, and, and hear her keynote. So I love it. That is a great topic. I'm so excited. I, I didn't realize she was speaking. That's really exciting. Excellent. I'll send you a copy. All right. So let's move on. Connected to this idea of value and uh, consumer confidence in the education system, the article that came across my desk uh, this week is actually about Pennsylvania. Um, There is a significant tuition reduction plan that the governor has proposed for low and middle income students uh, where the cost would be incredibly affordable, only $1,000 a semester. Uh, the plans in response to challenges like declining enrollments, demographic shifts, financial pressures, et cetera. Um, but the governor has put this forward. He, he unveiled the pitch recently. Um, it would also create a performance-based funding model. And it's specifically for PASHI, which is the 14 state four-year institutions and the 15 community college institutions. But what is wild to me about this program is that it excludes Penn State among a few other institutions that are public. Yeah. And so I started looking into this, Seth, and okay, cool, we're going to decrease uh, this tuition for this particular population. But last year, Penn State raised their tuition by 2%, and they're not in this plan. And when you look at the Penn State enrollment compared to all of those 29 institutions in PASHI, it is almost the same. Like Penn State actually enrolls a few thousand more students than PASHI combined. And then you look at the state funding and Penn State is getting somewhere in the range of 350 million from the state annually. PASHI is getting about 550 million. So can you tell, like, rhetorical question, but like, why is Penn State getting a pass here? And now my mind, we at Element 451 work with a lot of community colleges. So I am always thinking about that population. This really undercuts the cost-saving value prop for those institutions. When when the four-year is the same price as the community college, how, like we've been talking about pricing, how are you going to message around cost-saving value? There's a lot going on in Pennsylvania. I'll say I was, you know, I'm friends with a couple of former very senior academic leaders there. Uh, and obviously it does sound like a lot of it is a mess in political you know, I, I will set pause and say any effort to reduce the cost of education to the benefit of a student, I champion, obviously, but it's the implementation that I question in particular. In this case, the concerns are sort of which institutions do or don't get this significant tuition reduction. We're talking about a dramatic reduction, and it feels like it's not necessarily equitable from an institutional perspective. The Example I'll show that's a little bit different. Um, out of the state of Mexico, the state of Mexico actually has something called the Opportunity Scholarship, which you know, when implemented correctly, can almost make in-state education almost effectively free. But that education is available across. I mean, I have to check before I say every institute, almost every institution, at least community colleges, four-year programs. It's 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 a unilateral scholarship at the state level, funded by taxpayers. 
that's designed to increase the education of the state populace without as much influence on where they choose to study, meaning that they can choose to go to a two-year or a four-year. That implementation of New Mexico, which I think has been quite successful, at least from what I've observed, feels a little bit more um, empowering to the student rather than selecting some institutions but not others. It definitely is interesting. On the Penn side, it's got to be politics, I guess, that they're trying to protect their brand from this. Um, I'm not sure. And the only thing I'll say is... Um, I always worry about economic models in these cases. You're talking about trying to reduce the cost of education um, dramatically in this case. Um, and the question is, how sustainable is that and for how long? And how long is that funding guaranteed? Um, because you know, it doesn't help anybody to you know, cut tuition by 80% and then you know, in three years have to you know, set it back to where it was again. So um, to me, we want to see like long-term models that make sense. I do like states stepping up to keep students in state. Um, there's a whole separate topic for another podcast about importing versus exporting education, um, meaning like, you know, like as a state, are you educating your own students and keeping those uh, tuition dollars in state and generating tax revenue from them? But not being a tax strategist or a policymaker, the implementation here is questionable at best, at least to the novice like me on the sideline. It just, I don't know, this whole thing seems either rushed or just oddly implemented. It, it'll be interesting to watch. You know, I I grew up on a dairy farm and was very grateful for the scholarships that I received and the state funding that I received to go to college. So, you know, I, this is the type of program that would have directly benefited me. So don't get me wrong. I am also a champion for these types of opportunities, especially in a state, you know, Pennsylvania ranks 48th in the nation for college affordability mm. and 49th for state spending on higher ed. So let's be wow. clear, something needs to happen. That. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, right. Like Pennsylvania is ripe for a, a new program to maybe breathe life into access opportunities for low to middle income students. But it just doesn't feel fair to give Penn State that pass. And I'm curious to see what the response is, this is this is really new, right? So what will the response be? How will it roll out? You can guarantee we're going to wind up circling back on this at some point this year because I'm sure it'll be a hot topic. Totally. With that, friends, we are at the end of this episode. And it goes I so quick. It goes so, so <laughs> fast. And if you're listening on like 1.2, 1.5x, like, man, yeah, that would it really just, move it. just flew right by. Uh, but... <laughs> I hope everyone will stay tuned because the very first Pulse Check mini series drops on February 1st. Shane Baglini from Muhlenberg College is, in fact, the host of this special four-part series called A Guide to Graduate Marketing in 2024. He's going to cover grad program marketing, the role of AI and other technology, the student experience. He's got some incredible guests, and over the course of the next four weeks, uh, you're going to get to hear this deeper dive on this really important topic. Seth, awesome. any parting words uh no just th thanks for having me i made it back to episode two so i guess it's going okay so far i'm having a blast and just we'll appreciate see. the chance to be here we'll see if you show up for episode three or not <laughs> right fingers crossed <laughs> all right thanks everybody we'll see you next time The Higher Ed Pulse is part of the Enrollify Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month. 
And we've got a plethora of marketing, enrollment, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks, all designed to empower you to be a better higher ed professional. Our show helps higher ed marketers and admission pros find their next big idea and features a selection of the industry's best as your hosts. Learn from Brian Gross, Eddie Francis, Jenny Lee Fowler, and so many of your favorite leaders in higher ed. Enrollify is made possible by Element 451, the next generation AI student engagement platform, helping institutions create meaningful and personalized interactions with students. Learn more at element451.com.